Hebrews chapter 10, verse 19 down to verse 25. We're going to think this morning about blessed assurance. And maybe if you're ahead of the game, you've already guessed what the last hymn this morning is going to be. But I'll leave you on your toes. I'm not going to tell you yet. I'll announce that as we finish our sermon. So we're going to read from God's word, Hebrews chapter 10, verse 19 down to verse 25. What number is the Pew Bible, is it, sorry? A thousand, a thousand and seven, a thousand and seven, a thousand and six, around about that. You'll find it on that page. That's Hebrews chapter 10, verse 19 down to verse 25. Let's listen to God's word together. Therefore, brothers, since we have confidence to enter the holy places by the blood of Jesus, by the new and living way that he opened for us through the curtain, that is, through his flesh, and since we have a great priest over the house of God, let us draw near with a true heart in full assurance of faith, with our hearts sprinkled clean from an evil conscience and our bodies washed with pure water. Let us hold fast the confession of our hope without wavering, for he who promised is faithful. And let us consider how to stir up one another to love and good works, not neglecting to meet together, as is the habit of some, but encouraging one another, and all the more as you see the day drawing near. Amen. I, um, I love this passage of scripture and we really could we could spend the next month maybe even the next year searching just the richness of of it and and all that we see there's so much old testament um illustration throughout it and and things like the when it's talking about the priest and the curtain and being sprinkled and uh, and we really could spend a whole sermon series just looking over these verses together but this morning i want us to think about um this theme or this concept or actually this mindset and heart posture that believers should have, which is blessed assurance. The well-known hymn writer Fanny Crosby, who was blind from six weeks old after uh, someone who was pretending to be a doctor came and told her family to administer these, this type of eye drops upon her, and it actually led her to being blind for her whole life from six weeks old. That didn't stop her, though. That did not stop her. And in her lifetime, she composed over 8,000 hymns. 8,000 hymns from God be the glory to safe in the arms to blessed assurance. One day in 1983, whilst visiting her friend Phoebe Knapp, who was a composer of music, Phoebe had written this melody that she uh, was playing over and over again. And, and this wasn't um, unusual for uh, Fanny Crosby to go to someone's house and for them to present her with a melody for Crosby to then um, write the words to a certain tune. And one day when she went to see her friend Phoebe, she had written this melody. And as Fanny Crosby sat down, Phoebe said, what does this tune say to you? And off she went and she played this tune. Almost instantly, Crosby responded by saying, blessed assurance, 
Jesus is mine. And off she went and rattled out the whom like it was just nothing. How could she do that? Because for us to be able to speak the words blessed assurance, it first has to become a reality in our hearts. Fanny Crosby knew blessed assurance, Jesus is mine, well before she wrote the hymn. It was already written on her heart. And we'll sing this hymn later on. And as we do, just, just ponder over the, the depth of the, 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 the richness of the hymn. And to think that she just, just wrote it. Blessed assurance, Jesus is mine. Oh, what a foretaste of glory divine. And she, this is my story. This is my song. Praising my Savior all the day long. Blessed assurance, Jesus is mine. Friends, can you say that this morning? Can you say, blessed assurance, Jesus is mine? Because for Fanny Crosby, there was no doubt about it. Blessed assurance, Jesus was hers. Is Jesus yours this morning? Do you know Christ or do you just know about him? Are you doing religion with church? Or are you doing relationship with Jesus? Are you abiding by rules and tradition? Or are you abiding in Christ? Because the answer to these questions that I've just asked you will determine whether you can say this morning, blessed assurance, Jesus is mine. We've just read from Hebrews chapter 10. And in verse 19 we read, Therefore, brothers, since we have confidence to enter the holy places by the blood of Jesus. The writer of Hebrews in verse 19 points to the mechanics of salvation. He points to how salvation has been achieved. How we are saved. It is through the blood of Jesus since we have confidence to enter the holy places by not memorizing scripture, by not going to different church meetings, by not by praying nine to five, Monday to Friday, but by the blood of Jesus. Friends, we were dead in our sins, so Christ came and died in our place at the cross of Calvary. But then the writer, he points to how salvation has been achieved, but he also points to a benefit of that salvation, which is that we can now enter into the holy place. So we have the mechanics and we have the benefits. We have how salvation's been achieved. And then we have what that means for us. Jesus died in our place. We've been washed by the blood of Jesus. What that means is that we can enter into the holy places then. And what this is referring to is that because of sin, friends, we couldn't get near to God. And actually, I think it's later on in verse uh, 20, it goes on, By the new and living way that he opened for us through the curtain that is through his flesh. And when it speaks about the curtain, what it's referring to is in the Old Testament, in the Holy of Holies, there was a veil that was in between God's very presence and his people. They couldn't get near to God's very presence, his dwelling place. Jesus died dies on the cross and what do we read the curtain tore in two from top to bottom so we can now get near to God because of the blood of Jesus 
But this morning, I don't want us to spend time looking at the mechanics of salvation. And I don't want to even spend time looking at the benefit of salvation. But I want us to look at the mindset, for want of a better word, that salvation gives to God's people. The writer doesn't say, since we gingerly enter or we, you know, with doubt or fingers crossed or being unsure. He doesn't say anything like that. He says, but with confidence, confidence. And that confidence is only and completely found and embedded in what Christ has done. Our confidence, our assurance flows from Christ's completed works. Many of you will have heard of the Wesley brothers, John and Charles Wesley. Charles Wesley wrote many hymns, not as much as Fanny Crosby. He only wrote 6,000, 7,000 hymns, whereas uh, Crosby wrote about 8,000. But the two brothers had gone on a mission trip to America in 1735. But whilst they were over in America, they realized that they didn't actually have assurance of their salvation. They didn't know whether they were saved or not. They hadn't, they realized, actually placed their faith in God. But what they were doing was living out ministry. They were, they were doing works. That, that's effectively what they were doing. And in America, they realized this. They came back, obviously, completely disheartened. They both began to search. They both began to search for the Lord. Thankfully, they didn't have to wait for too long. In May 1738, Charles Wesley had a powerful experience with the Holy Spirit, to which he wrote, The Holy Spirit chased away the darkness of my unbelief. This experience of the Holy Spirit, which brought the assurance of Charles's salvation, led him to write a hymn many of us will know. And the last, hymn, the last verse in that hymn says this. No condemnation now I dread. Jesus and all in him is mine. Alive in him my living head. And clothed in righteousness divine. Bold I approach the eternal throne. And claim the crown through Christ my own. Three days later John Wesley went to a meeting on Aldersgate Street in London. John was still searching for this assurance of God's grace. John recorded in his journal this. In the evening, I went very unwillingly to society in Aldersgate Street, where one was reading Luther's preface to the epistle to the Romans. About a quarter before nine, while he was describing the change which God works in the heart through faith in Christ, I felt my heart strangely warmed. Both those brothers before America would have said, yeah, absolutely, we're Christians. <laughs> they were doing ministry. But the reality is, they were abiding in their work and not in Christ. Has the Holy Spirit chased away the darkness of your unbelief? Have you felt your heart being strangely warmed? Do you, as Fanny Crosby said, blessed assurance, Jesus is mine. Can you say that this morning? Are you a Christian? And I don't mean culturally. I mean biblically. 
Have you repented from your sins and put your trust and faith in the completed work of Jesus Christ? Because if you haven't, you will never have assurance. And you have no hope of glory of everlasting life. That is what the scriptures say. And for assurance, and for that hope of glory, and for the promise of everlasting life, friends, all you have to do this day is ask Jesus into your heart. Repent from your sins. Call on the name of the Lord. It's all you have to do. There is only one way to be saved, and that is through Christ. But if you have, if you have repented and you believe in Jesus and you've called on your life, but you would say, but Norman, there's still doubt. I still don't have that blessed assurance. And I'll sit tight because hopefully God through his word and by his spirit will minister to your heart this morning. Friends, genuine faith, genuine biblical faith is linked to repentance. You cannot have genuine faith without repentance. True faith always bears fruit. It's not enough to just acknowledge the existence of a God and acknowledge that Jesus, yeah, believed that he existed and he might have been a good guy and maybe he was even what he said he was. It's not enough to just acknowledge that. How is that the case, you might say, Norman? Well, friends, the devil believes in God. The devil himself believes who Jesus, that Jesus existed and that Jesus went to the cross. The devil believes those things. The difference is that the devil has never placed his hope and his trust and his faith in Christ. He's never called in the name of the Lord to be saved. Genuine faith without repentance is not genuine faith. For it to be genuine, you need to have repentance. True faith always bears fruit. Friends, we have watered down the understanding and the meaning of the word belief in this day in society. Belief is more than just acknowledging the existence of God. Biblical belief is more than mere acknowledgement, but rather it is something that must be lived out. It is bending the knee before Christ and committing yourself to him, placing your hope and trust in him, asking him into your life, repenting for your sins. And repentance means turning away, turning your back on the old things you used to do, the ways of the world and, and pursuing his kingdom and wanting to live for him, becoming a new creation. But the writer here in Hebrews says that when we do that, when we've been washed by the blood of Jesus, verse 22, he says, we, let us draw near with a true heart and full assurance of faith. As believers and followers of Jesus, friends, we can have full assurance the Westminster Confession about assurance of faith said that a true believer may wait long and conflict with many difficulties before he be a partaker of it. So you might be sitting there this morning saying, well, Norman, I've asked Jesus into my life and I've done those things. I've said sorry for my sins, but yet I still don't have that full assurance. Does that mean I'm not saved? Rest easy. Because it's the work of the Spirit, as we will see in a moment. And as we grow in maturity, 
as we grow in maturity of faith, as we grow in Christ, that assurance grows with us. I think there are two reasons people doubt. I'm talking about those who um, would acknowledge Christ and his ways and stuff. I'm not talking about atheists or people who are agnostic and stuff like that. I'm talking about those that would, would, would genuinely be, be pro uh, what we're talking about this morning. I think there are two reasons people doubt uh, and would say that they don't have assurance. So that the, but I would say that most of us who are like that would fall into the second camp. The, the, the first one, the writer actually uh, speaks about um, this morning in in the words we've read in Hebrews 10. And the reason that we can have assurance and the reason that we don't have to be a people of doubt is that because Christ has done it. He, he has opened up the way. There is no doubt anymore. The way to God the Father has been opened up. It's through Christ. He is the way. And actually the writer speaks to that. He talks about um, the curtain being torn and, and through the flesh and, and entering into the holy ways with confidence because of the blood of Jesus. That Jesus has done it. Jesus was a once for all sacrifice. He, he was incarnated. He died. He rose again. He ascended to heaven and he's coming back. That's what the scriptures say. And many of us would actually agree with that. And actually our doubt doesn't come from that but actually our doubt comes from us saying, well, Norman, I agree with all those things, but, and this is the second camp, and I think this is where most people would fall into if they do doubt or they don't have full assurance. I know that Christ has opened up the way, but how do I know that I will be saved? I know that Christ has opened up the way, but how do I know that when I reach those pearly gates, how do I know he'll let me in? And this is the question about the assurance of our salvation. Friends, knowing you're a child of God, because when you put your hope and trust in Jesus, the Bible tells us we're justified, we're made right before God the Father, and he adopts us into his family. That means then that we are children of God. Knowing you're a child of God, knowing you are saved Knowing that when you die, you will receive everlasting life is a supernatural work. It is a work of the Holy Spirit. It isn't something that you can earn. It isn't something that you tick box your way into it. You might be going to all the meetings that this church has to offer, but you say, but Norman, I still don't have that uh, full assurance. I still don't have the assurance that when I die, that I'll go to heaven. Well, friends, I'm sorry to say that there's no course that I could run in this church that would give you assurance. For assurance is a supernatural work. It is a work of the Holy Spirit. For Romans 8 tells us the Spirit himself testifies with our spirit that we are God's children. The Holy Spirit himself testifies with our spirit that we are God's children. So friends, the Apostle Paul also says though in 2 Corinthians, test yourselves to see if you are in the faith. And the implication of this is that we can know the answer. We can know. We can know and be like Fanny Crosby and say, blessed assurance, Jesus is mine. But how can we know? 
So just as becoming a Christian is a supernatural work, that being that God regenerates us, he, he calls us and he does an internal work. He, he makes us a new creation. The old has gone and the new has come. So just as becoming a Christian is, is not like an academic choice that we go, do you know what, I'm going to choose to believe that now. It's, 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 it's an internal work that the Lord does within our lives. It's like what the Wesley brothers were saying, that the, the Holy Spirit chased away the darkness off my unbelief or, or my heart was strangely warmed. Assurance comes from the testifying of the Holy Spirit with our own spirit. Ask him. Ask him. If you are in doubt this morning, ask him. Pray. Lord, I've said the prayers, I've put my trust in you, but yet I still don't know. Ask him. Ask him to strangely warm your heart. Ask him to make himself known to you. Pray that you would know. You might think that's a cop-out, but like I said, there's no course that I can put on that's going to make you know that. It's through the work of the Spirit. Ask the Spirit to do a deep work in your life. The Bible tells us that God has said, when you search for me with all your heart, you will find me. You know that God is the worst at playing hide-and-seek? He wants to be found. He wants you to find him. Let go of your inhibitions. Let go of your doubts. Let go of your fears. Lay hold of him. Son of David, the blind beggar said, do not pass me by. But so many of us are like, well, do you know what, God, if you want to make yourself known to me, friends, lay hold of him. God, I'm not leaving this place until you make yourself known to me. Warm my heart. Chase away the darkness of my unbelief and doubt by your Holy Spirit. For friends, when we are saved, we produce fruit. That's what the Bible tells us. John 15, when we abide in Christ, we bear fruit. James puts it really well. Faith without works is dead. If you are saved, you will begin to bear the fruit of your salvation. And friends, I can see change in some of you here this morning. I can see a, a longing and a thirst to be around God and his people. And maybe you go, I don't know why. There's just something about this place that, friends, it's him. He's drawing you. There's some of you that, that, that come to everything we put on in this church and still you'd say, well, I don't know. I'm not sure. Why are you coming? Is it because you like my company? That's a rhetorical question. <laughs> There's a longing in your heart just to be around God's people and, and around him and, and what he's doing. And, and maybe you can't articulate why that is. I can tell you it's because the, the, the Lord's doing a work in your life. Lay hold of him. Son of David, do not pass me by. I need you. We are saved by the work of Christ and trusting in that work. And the Bible, friends, says that salvation belongs unto God. It was achieved by him. It is given by him. And praise be to God that it is held by him. If I could lose my salvation, I would. 
I could lose it, I would. But I thank the Lord that I am His and I've been washed by the blood of the Lamb. And I'm held by Him. Why? Not because there's anything good in and of me, but simply because I've put my trust in Him and I've called upon His name. So how do you know on that day when your eyes close for the final time, how do you know that when you open them, you will see Christ in all of his glory and you will have that everlasting life and the hope of glory that the scriptures speak of? And here is the crux of it all. Friends, my assurance isn't found in me. It isn't found in what I've done or how strong my faith is or how great my experience is in this life. My assurance comes simply from the blood of Christ and the word of God. My confidence is in him, not in me. It's in him. Verse 23 says, let us hold fast the confession of our hope without wavering. Why? For he who promised is faithful. That's where my blessed assurance comes from this morning. That the one I trust in, the one I depend upon, the one I've called on, the one who's washed me in his blood, that he is faithful. And the question is again, do we really know him? If you do, you know he is faithful. For he has never let his people down. And how do we grow in our knowledge of him? Well, the Bible tells us that faith comes from hearing and hearing the word of Christ. Friends, it isn't a coincidence that those who spend most time gleaning over the scriptures and studying God's word and spending time in prayer and listening to worship songs and spending time in his presence, it isn't a coincidence that they seem most assured of whose they are and whom they serve. Why? It's not because they're any good in and of themselves, but faith comes comes from hearing and hearing the word of Christ. Why is that? Well, friends, I'll tell you why it is. Because this isn't just some sort of academic book. It's not just some sort of book that's made to prop up a table leg in your house for a wobbly coffee table. This is the living and breathing word of God. It is sharper than any double-edged sword. And it will pierce your heart. It will convict you. It will edify you. It will teach you. It will shape you. But more importantly, friends, it will cause your faith to grow if you give it time of day in your life. This year, may this be the year Sandy Hills Parish Church becomes known for being the church of this book. That we spend every moment of every day gleaning over the promises of God. Remembering and being reminded that he who has promised is faithful. And like we said with the boys and girls this morning, the Bible tells us all who call on the name of the Lord will be saved. I've called on his name. And friends, do you know what? I don't deserve to be saved. I don't deserve it. I don't deserve to spend everlasting life with my creator and my sustainer and my redeemer and my savior. I don't deserve to get to walk those streets of gold and never see a dark day in my life again. I don't deserve to have my tears wiped by the nail-pierced hands of my savior. 
that praise be to God that my salvation isn't based on what I deserve, but based on what he has done. And he's already done it all. And that's why I can say this morning, blessed assurance, Jesus is mine. There's no question about it. Because I've called on his name, have you? Have you called on his name this morning? And if you have, friends, there'll be evidence in your life. There'll be things that you're doing now that you never used to do. There'll be things that you used to do that you don't want to do anymore. Why? Because sin is becoming grotesque and offensive to you. And actually, there's things that maybe even the language you're using is beginning to change. Why? That's not because you thought it's a good idea. It's because actually the Spirit's doing a work in your life. And He's illuminating the dark places in your heart. Trust Him. Let the fruit of the Spirit blossom, love, joy, peace, patience, kindness, goodness, faithfulness, gentleness, and self-control. Let those things be the things that blossom up in us. And friends, just as we draw to a close this morning, assurance comes from faith in the promises of God. Assurance comes from faith in the promises of God, not in anything that I've done, but in what he has said he will, what he said he's done and what he said he will do. And if you work back from that concept that assurance comes from faith in the promises of God, you need to know God's promises. You need to know what he said. You need to read your Bible. You need to be in your word. You need to be spending time in his presence. You need to grow and learn about what he said, who he said he is and who he says you are. You need to read your Bible. And as you do that, faith will grow. Why? Because faith comes from hearing and hearing the word of Christ. God has established that as a principle for believers to live by. And as we do that, friends, I guarantee you, assurance will grow in your heart. The acceptance from the Father is grounded in the completed work of Christ. And it is made a reality by the work of the Holy Spirit in your life. Friends, do not ever quench the work of the Spirit in this place or in your heart. But fan it into flame. Doubt sounds like a saying. Friends, doubt begins with I. Assurance begins with him. Doubt begins with I. It begins with me saying, how will I know? Or, or what if I? Or um, I don't know if I. What we're doing there, friends, is we're taking our eyes off Christ and we're beginning to look upon ourselves. My assurance isn't in anything to do with me, but wholly trusting in the name of Jesus. If salvation is based on what I've done, there is no certainty and there's no chance that I will be saved. I'm as well to flip a coin. But the Bible tells us, and that's why we began this morning it, with the mechanics of salvation. It's by the blood of Jesus. Jesus speaks of faith the size of a mustard seed. Why? Because it isn't about the size, the quality, or the depth of one's faith. But it's about who that faith is in. Jesus is the object of our faith. He is the author and the perfecter of it. And maybe today you might identify with the words of the dad who spoke in Mark's gospel. And he says, Lord, I believe, help my unbelief. Maybe you trust Christ, but there's still a level of doubt in your heart. Well, again, we ask, have you repented from your sins? Have you invited Christ into your heart? Have you placed your faith in him? If you haven't, you must. 
And if you have, God has said you will be saved. Trust in him, friends, for he has never let his people down. Let us pray. Lord, we ask that this would be a holy moment. Lord, we ask that just as Moses in Exodus encounters your presence by the burning bush, Lord, and he's asked to take off his sandals for the feet he, for the ground he's standing upon is holy, Lord. We pray that this would be a holy moment as well. We pray, Lord, that this would be a defining moment for us individuals and for us as a congregation. And Lord, maybe there's some here this morning who've never taken that step of faith and asked you into their lives. Lord, knock on the door of their heart in a way that they cannot refuse, we pray in this very moment. Would they call on the name of the Lord to be saved? God, give them the courage to say, Father, forgive me. Forgive my sins. Wash me by the blood of Jesus. And help me put my trust in him. Lord, thank you that it is a simple gospel that you have given us. That all we have to do to be saved is to call on your name. And Lord, maybe this morning there's those of us who are like that person in Mark's gospel who would say, Lord, I believe. I've asked, Lord, I've asked you into my life already, but help my unbelief. Lord, I pray that just as the, the Wesley brothers had that experience, would their hearts be warmed in this very moment, Lord, with the bottom of their feet or even the tops of their hands begin to become warm, Lord, would they sense your presence hovering over them. Lord, bring tears to their eyes. Lord, bring evidence that you are doing a work in their life in this very moment, we pray. Spirit, would you rush and wash away the darkness of their unbelief? And Lord, for those of us who've called on you and who walk with you and who, like Fanny Crosby, can say this morning, blessed assurance, Jesus is mine. Lord, help us to never lose the wonder of what you've done in our life or the hope of glory that we have through Jesus Christ, our Lord. For we ask these things in your precious name. Amen.